Hello and welcome to the Busyness Podcast. My name is Emily Austin. I'm the founder and CEO of a London-based PR agency called Emerge. I'm passionate about launching and scaling small businesses and have been fortunate enough in my 13-year career to work with some of the most exciting, category-defining brands in the world. I started my business when I was 22 years old, fresh out of university. Since that time, the world has got louder, our expectations have become greater, and our lives have become busier. Fobbing friends off with the stock answer we've all become accustomed to, I'm so busy, is an attempt to compel, conflate, and convince. But when did being too busy become a mark of status? Why is the goal to never have any free time? And just what the fuck is everyone doing? Are we setting unrealistic expectations for future entrepreneurs and business owners by encouraging them that a maniacal approach to diarising is the standard? This podcast aims to give you a realistic, detailed insight into the honest stories, the failures, the triumphs, the intricacies, the mistakes, the comebacks, the fuck-ups from those set to make their mark, the leaders, movers and shakers, trailblazers and game changers. We cover imposter syndrome, hiring and firing, call-out culture, anxiety, global growth, daily routines and knowing when to quit, choosing the best in the busyness to help you cut through the noise and optimise your success. In this week's episode, I chat to Pip Black, co-founder of popular fitness studio Frame. Pip founded the business with her partner in 2009, and the popular studios have stood the test of time. Pip and I talked about the early days, sleeping at the office, trying to avoid focusing on competition, and why she always comes back to what she's doing and how it relates to her brand values. We chatted about the impact of COVID-19 on the business, particularly how this relates to women, social media anxiety and inclusivity in the fitness industry. Pip is a hugely successful entrepreneur and I hope you're able to take some learnings from her inspiring story. To kick off, I'd love if you could start by telling me what Frame is and what the brand mission is. Yeah, so Frame was founded back in 2009. Uh, We opened our first site in Shoreditch um, under some railway arches. And from day one, it's always been about getting more people moving more often in a way that fits seamlessly into their lives. So um, I guess how we differ from a lot of um, other fitness brands is that for us, it's all about lifestyle. It's all about moving in a way that changes your mood, that makes you feel great, um, and therefore means that you can get on with the rest of your day, no matter what that might be, whether it's like smashing your meetings, um, going for an interview, looking after your kids, whatever that might be, you're going to be in a better frame of mind and you'll be able to like, you know, take more out of that. And what was happening in 2009 in this space? Because obviously now you walk down any street in central London, certainly, and each corner is adorned by some different um, studio, you know, with promises of making you fitter and better and slimmer and, you know. But 2009, you know, the boutique pay-as-you-go fitness proposition, the idea of studios focusing around your brain and your mood and your attitude, it wasn't really... A thing. So what was happening at that time and, and how did that impact you creating Frame? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like it was a completely different world. Um, when we created Frame, it was such a different concept from whatever else was out there, which really back then was the gym. And you went to the gym and you signed up to a 12-month contract. The people at the gym hoped that you didn't go to the gym because then they could have more people paying them and didn't have to worry about equipment being used up. So, so people weren't really exercising. I mean, I've, I grew up, I was very, very sporty, played top-level sports, um, and then ended up in a job in advertising. So at that point in my life, sort of early 20s, was working really hard, but partying also very hard and wanting to find somewhere where I could keep moving exercising in a way that I enjoyed and that didn't really require me to sort of commit so playing team sports was really tricky um, working in advertising because you couldn't be at training at sort of seven o'clock on a Tuesday and a Thursday sort of suddenly that wasn't an option but what was an option was to go to the gym and most people at that point weren't doing exercise because they liked it or enjoyed it but they generally were doing exercise because they felt guilty um, because they were told that they had to um, because they'd paid this membership and you know again felt guilty that they weren't making the most out of that money that they were spending on their gym membership you know even at the gyms it was a very different space back then so you'd, you'd go it was very much rows of cardio equipment which no one really knew what to do on them because it was before the idea of like interval training even came in definitely weren't doing sprints or anything so lots of people you'd see just sort of walking on a treadmill for an hour you know those sort of the gym machines that did your weights so not even really the free weights back then and again super super intimidating a lot of people and you know a lot of my friends and even myself you'd go you'd sort of maybe do a little bit on the cardio equipment for half an hour and then you'd probably end up in the sauna having a chat with your mate um and sort of not get so much out of that time that you've invested and and generally the whole kind of process of going to the gym took a long time you know from sort of doing the exercise and then having your shower maybe having a swim etc but you know back then again like we like both Joe and my business partner and myself we used to cycle across London and I used to be back like I lived in um, Brixton and I worked in Camden and I'd be at like the Vauxhall roundabout and I'd be like me and one other guy every morning at 7 30 cycling to work and you know it was just like cycling across London was seen as just this most bizarre concept and now you know move forward you know 12 years there's you know hundreds of people at Vauxhall roundabout in the morning so it that sort of goes to show how our approach to fitness has changed but sort of back to your question um back then both myself and Joan we met um and we're both working in advertising we both played this sort of top level sport and wanted to move um and there just really wasn't anything out there that seemed enjoyable or that we would get anything you know out of apart from you know, going and sort of repetitively like running on a treadmill, staring at a wall. So for us, the idea of Frame was to, to you know, create something that we wanted and that from talking to friends, we knew that they wanted as well. And to move away from this sort of negative connotations that were associated with exercise. So back then, if I asked a friend to come for a run with me, they'd laugh in my face. Like, why would you go for a run on a Saturday morning when you could have a lie-in and watch the telly? So for us, we really wanted to, to introduce movement into people's lives and make sure they realise that there were like so many benefits to it. And it wasn't all about what you look like, um, how fast you were, whether you could lift super heavy weights, but there were loads of other benefits that came with sort of regular exercise. And, you know, most of the people coming in those first days of frame would come in and they'd say, I haven't exercised since PE class. Like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm terrified. I've still got my like Donald trainers on. Like, what, what can I do? And we, we took them through a journey um, and used sort of fun classes and lots of things like 80s aerobics, which was super on point and to get people almost coming as if it was entertainment rather than necessarily going to a fitness class. Have you found it 
um, positive or difficult from a competition perspective to have been so committed to this idea sort of before everyone else and then having to watch what's now quite a bloated marketplace in terms of fitness propositions for people particularly in London yeah I think I guess over the journey over the last sort of 13 years we've seen it's been different so you know the challenges that we face have changed and that's a lot based on sort of what the the competition in the marketplace is doing so uh, at the beginning, it was it was tricky because we had this completely new concept that a lot of people couldn't get their heads around. Um, it was so far removed, and and trying to explain to people what we did. But you know, back then we were so passionate and and believed, I guess, so much in what we were doing, and and that it was the right thing to do, and that there were all of these people out there that weren't moving and could hugely benefit from doing so, that we, you know, we just had our blinkers on, and we were like, we're going to make this happen, and and ultimately, once people found us, they became sticky, um, even though we were pay-as-you-go, and again, very much the first people to have a pay-as-you-go concept, once people came in, they, they found that actually they were really enjoying the classes and this community was building and it was just building momentum. So first few years, we were kind of running along, doing our thing in our own channel um, without really anybody picking up on that and, and you know getting involved in what we were doing. And the gyms were continuing to do what they were doing and there really wasn't that much crossover. You know, our, build, our business was building and growing and we saw, opened our second site in, in Queen's Park. Um, And then it kind of around 2015, everything started to change. So we suddenly had this introduction of the the boutique market that you um, you sort of mentioned earlier. And a lot of sort of, I guess, entrepreneurs were looking at what was going on across the pond in the States um, and starting to think about how they could emulate that success of your Barry's boot camp, your soul cycle and sort of bring those concepts in in their own ways over to, to London. And suddenly that completely changed that kind of competition element um, and we were like oh actually there are other people doing what we're doing and hugely beneficial in some ways because it really made us up our game and then you know obviously at the beginning slightly kind of um, terrifying to be honest like having all this competition that had came really quickly and a lot of it and you know there's a finite number of people that still sort of at that point who are exercising within London and we're all kind of fighting over that same person you know from our perspective back then wellness suddenly had this look and feel and like it was all very homogenous and everything was looking the same frame on the other hand has always been in your face bright colors kind of disruptive doing its own thing over here but at that point we sort of almost got pulled in by what was going on in the rest of the market and we started to tweak what we were doing to sort of fit in what competition was doing, thinking like, well, that must be the right way to do it because everybody else seems to be going down that route. We actually, at that point, or, you know, sort of a few months into this, we had this really interesting conversation with, with a guy called Ron, who is a sort of branding expert, amazing guy from Ireland. Um, and he just sat Joan and I down and for about an hour, he just was like, right, what is Frame? Tell me about it. Just talk. So we, we you know, told him the story, how we started, what our sort of brand mission was, you know, our beliefs, our values, you know, what we did that was different. And then he just literally just wrote it all back to us in an A4, had gone onto Google Images, picked some sort of random pictures that had obviously been like sort of, you know, come together over the past six years of frame 
put it all there. He's like, this is frame. Don't change it. Don't try and be too perfect. The whole reason of why you work is because you are disruptive and you do things in a different way. By trying to do things in the way that everybody else is doing them, you're going to completely kind of um, ruin that kind of the brand that you've created over these last six years. So it was quite a key moment, I think, in the life of the brand. Um, And actually from that moment on, I've been way less bothered about what competition has been doing and way more focused on what we're doing and how that relates back to our brand values and our personal sort of vision and mission that we're going on as a business. So, you know, having a great mentor that can kind of sit you down and kind of get your head into that right space has been, yeah, fundamental. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you were saying a moment ago about the early stages and kind of trying to explain to people what you were actually doing because the concept was still relatively new. And I think there's a lot of pressure when you start a business to have this kind of perfect deck and idea and understanding and for everyone to get it. And from what you're saying, like the the distillation of that brand is a process and it's hard. And with a business like yours, it's also inevitably made up of the people that come through the doors and and respond. Do you think, you know, that your business is has a large female customer base and the programming is considerate to that and of that you have a lot of women at all different stages of their journeys but particularly pre and postnatal and going through all sorts of different challenges that are not just sort of weight related or or fitness oriented they're very much sort of mind as well it would be remiss of me to not sort of mention that pretty much all the examples we're mentioning in the space are run by men in terms of your position in the market and being a female co-founder in an industry that's dominated by men, have you felt ever at a disadvantage in that instance? Or do you see it purely as a positive thing that you can have an, you know, create an experience that perhaps your competitors can't? Absolutely. I think it's a real positive. I feel like as women, um, we have such a deep understanding of our customer, whether that's because we've been through those same um, sort of journeys ourselves, like you sort of mentioned about the pre and postnatal, both Joan and myself, you know, we've had children, uh, we both have two kids. So we, we, we understand what it is like to be in that situation. We understand what it's like to be a, someone in our mid-20s who feels pressure to look a certain way, but also wants to, you know, involve themselves in these other exciting things going on around the city and is like doesn't want to put too much time towards their strict fitness regime because they also want to go and have a lot of fun and, and be able to go out and have drinks and eat what they want without feeling that they're only allowed to eat, you know, chicken and rice every day. Um, we, we feel those things. So I think that's allowed us to put together, I guess, programming that would work. Um, for one thing that we we have at frame which is quite different from a lot of studios is that we have multiple studios so in our larger studios in Shoreditch and Fitzrovia we've got five studios in both those sites so at any one time in the day you could choose based on how you're feeling that day and this is such a key fundamental part of our brand and our mission is that exercise um, all exercise is great do whatever you want but specifically listen to your body listen to your mind what it's telling you and choose a specific type of exercise that's just going to work for you that day and some days that's going to be something really high intensity and some days it's going to be duvet day in where you want to just literally lie on the floor um and and sort of you know relax and try and sort of calm down and get you know get that cortisol level down and and, you know get yourself into a better space so that you're then re-energized to go out into the world after so 
having multiple options available so that it does fit seamlessly into your day. So having 30-minute classes for people at lunchtime or the option of that sort of high intensity or a dance class at 7 a.m. or maybe an arse and abs class because you're not going to sweat so much. So as a woman, you don't have to wash your hair um, because we all know that if you do have to wash your hair and dry it before getting to work, that's suddenly probably like an hour more of like uh, or an hour less sleep that you're going to get that morning if you're trying to fit it all in. So making decisions based on our consumer, which is mainly female, being a female makes everything so much easier and and you know everything we do at frame is based on the consumer we're like obsessed with the consumer how they're feeling how our decisions make people feel so we have as I said sort of like you know how people feel is is a key part of, of what we do and we have almost like a little creative brief internally that we use so whenever we are going making a decision whatever that might be um we always say how does this make them feel and if that's a positive answer it's the right decision and if it's a negative answer it's definitely not the right decision and we have to reframe and work out what what we should be doing so I think that's like a something that again that just sort of shows how that sort of brand value sort of really kind of infiltrate down through all of the business decisions that we make again Joan and I working in our sort of little sort of frame silo um has meant that we've kind of gotten on with uh what we're doing and focusing more on how we work for our customer um, but, you know, at the female, as an entrepreneur, I'd say um, maybe I was very naive for the first like X years. I didn't think anything of it, like even as a 24 year old, which is how old I was when we started Frame. Just like, well, I've got a great idea and I'm going to make it happen. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's definitely my um, personality, um, which I think probably a lot of entrepreneurs have to have that personality to, to get through those initial tough years. But I do think COVID has been a bit of a... Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, um, but it's a bit of a fucker, really, isn't it? Um, and I know lots. Yeah, you're allowed to swear. Fantastic, because I swear a lot. Um, I encourage it. I absolutely encourage it. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um, and you know, this last year, I've seen so many amazing women that have amazing businesses be impacted by the situation um, that's going on in potentially more negative way than some of our male counterparts and I don't know whether that's because a lot of us have kids that we're also trying to homeschool whilst running our business or whether it is you know a sad state of affairs there's still a lot of the guys at the top with the money who are taking advantage of the situation that we're in they do happen to be to be men um and I guess a lot of industries where women are like sort of primary caregivers right a lot of the industries that were hit quite hard across hospitality across you know salons and services even probably personal training other things and then obviously you know nurses mothers etc there is a leaning as you say towards um the, the types of jobs that people do and it is you know people have taken a real hammering and it's you know there are definitely examples where people have been able to run businesses and homeschool and whatever else many of those people probably have done it effectively because they have some sort of additional help, which isn't practical for everyone. But unfortunately, as you you mentioned a moment ago, if your self-esteem, mental health, etc., is is pretty low, um, you make worse choices because you you sort of create an environment that you think you deserve. So if everything seems to be crumbling, it's it's very difficult to to get motivation. I wanted to ask you whether you think that there's 
a misleading narrative around extremes in fitness generally. But do you think that people have been misled about this idea of exercise being you have to thrash yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a huge problem and probably why we're still in a situation where there's only 15% of the UK are actually like regularly exercising, which is quite terrifying in itself. There's definitely this extreme like it just doesn't need to be that way. Um, Fitting exercise that works for you in your life is much more important it doesn't have to be extreme and actually if someone who ha- someone who is going on a, a 30 minute walk every day is going to probably be in a much better place especially long term than somebody who's like smashing it out in a really hardcore hit class once a week and then sort of sitting at their desk for the rest of the day it's a new hip at 40 exactly yeah. there's that too so I think people are just beginning to I think understand that sometimes calming the mind um, can have just a positive impact on their wellness as, as beasting themselves. Um, and really, it's about balance, working out, you know, what you enjoy doing, how you're feeling and what, what type of exercise works for that. But also, as we always say at Frame, like the best exercise is the one that you turn up to. So what do you enjoy doing? And loads of people, especially through lockdown, we found this huge increase in people dancing and, um, and I think, you know, that people have been in really bad place and there's not been that much going on. And just dancing to great music has just brought people so much joy. And ultimately, like, aren't we all just in the search of happiness? And like, let's just do what makes us happy and makes us feel great. Um, and that's going to bring us more, you know, better life experiences. Totally. In terms of your, your comments about like how how things have evolved and how you know people are sort of in search of happiness I guess you can look left or right and see someone who's better or worse than you or more or less accomplished and that's the very nature of comparison we frequently compare ourselves to people who are better than us rather than acknowledging how far we've come how difficult has it been to keep the brand relevant on social media from a professional perspective yeah, when we've launched Frame, we basically um, did it via, like, as I said, Joan and I just walking around with, with our own flyers. And then someone would, like, phone up and be like, oh, your girl with the flyer just dropped into me. Like, and I'm like, oh, that was me. <laughs> you were playing so many hats whilst on reception, whilst teaching a class. Um, but so, you know, it didn't exist, as you said. It's It's been interesting, actually, because I think now we're at a really good place with our social media from a brand perspective. We've got amazing team who work on it. And, you know, again, sort of going past that sort of stage around that sort of 2015 to sort of 17, where there was a lot of um, new incumbents into the sort of market, um, a lot of competition uh, and sort of almost worrying too much about what other people were doing. Then it was a much harder space because we were looking left, looking right and kind of thinking of actually, well, maybe we need to do a post that looks like this because that seems to have worked well a lot or maybe this one now we kind of we kind of forget about what other people are doing and we have you know our aim on our social media is to bring joy um so you'll see that it's it's all videos really it's all dancing it's just great music it's just we want to we want to make people feel good and so we're constantly seeking out content whether we make it or whether we're sharing it that its sole aim is to make people feel good and that that kind of makes using that channel a much much easier place to be and it's got to be relevant right it's got to be it's got to be a mirror of the experience in in this physical form because everyone particularly in this industry and in sort of fitness space is so conscious of 
lowering barrier to entry etc so it can't just be a feed full of you know sexy people for the you know the purpose of encouraging everyone to come in whatever stage of your journey you're at yeah I mean we we've always been as a brand very inclusive it's been a huge part of of what we do so it's like frame is for everybody everybody should feel welcome when they come through that door and hopefully that that has always shown through of our through our branding through the imagery that we use do you think that the industry lacks diversity in terms of size inclusivity whatever people's interpretation of diversity is we talked about male founders we talked about your ability to perhaps program based on lived experiences which a man wouldn't have because they're not a woman I think it's getting a lot better I think there's definitely is a lack of diversity not just within that kind of the 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 sort of business owner side but definitely within um the the people that we are portraying through our social media accounts or whatever I think hopefully people have had a bit of a kick up the ass over the last year that that's something that needs to change and it's amazing to see fantastic brands such as Sweaty Betty I think have done a fantastic job of taking you know some really quite horrible feedback from customers if you looked at their sort of accounts sort of a year ago and making some amazing changes and coming out with like much much stronger with incredible campaigns I think as a brand frame has made some I mean for us it was it probably in a similar way to Sweaty Betty like we've always had those sort of inclusive values so it's it's been less of a like oh, they're just putting token people on things to, to, to sort of fit with the, today's agenda. Um, so it's very natural for us. But there's still, like, as you say, especially with body shape, which I think is a huge problem, um, it, it, at the moment I think it still feels quite token when people are using um, different sort of shapes within their advertising because you just know that is so far removed from what that business is about. Um, and, and up until like this point, they never ever did use anyone that wasn't like the most insane, like Adonis. So it, yeah, I think that it, it needs for it to feel like genuinely there has been positive change. It, it's got to be long-term and it's got to be constantly progressing rather than just like, oh, we're just going to find someone that looks slightly different and put them on our advertising. I think it's got to come from within and from the, the, you know, the mission of that business. Um, and they got to genuinely believe that. And I guess that that's the question, like, we genuinely do. And I'm definitely sure that there are other businesses where they do as well. But is that industry-wide? Um, so I hope so. We talked a moment ago about how there are, at times, unrealistic expectations for people in their approach to fitness from what they see. Do you think that exists with entrepreneurialism? So particularly female founders, that there's this glamorization online, on social media, and I understand that social media is a lens through which we want to present good things and it would not be appropriate as a business owner to put up videos of sort of difficult days because we've all got teams and, you know, some people have investors, etc. Do you think that there's an unrealistic lure now for young entrepreneurs about the reality of what it is to, to run a business? A hundred percent. So, again, like when we started um, Frame entrepreneurism wasn't what it is now it was quite a you know Joan and I being like we're going to start a business was bonkers and like none of our friends had done it our parents well Joan's parents like different because they had been entrepreneurs my parents were like you know you're crazy be an accountant babe like so like I had to fight that you know it, it was really 
people were like, what are you doing? Just get a salary. Like, obviously, that like, it's changed so much from there. And then I think, I think we've kind of almost got to a stage or got to a stage a few years ago where it almost gone too far the other way. And I, I was often, like, talking on a lot of panels where it was about sort of encouraging everyone to become an entrepreneur. And I, often I'd be, like, with Sharma Dean-Reed or, like, other sort of great entrepreneurs. And I think it's really important in those situations just to flag how hard it is um and that it's not for everybody and you've got to have intense like mental strength to get through a lot of the challenges that will come up um and you've got to be prepared to put in the hours and um and hopefully great things will come of that but for some people that's not the right route you know some people are going to succeed in somewhere in a, in a sort of a different business environment or maybe having a very specific you know, this is what you need to do today. And then they can stop and they can go home and do whatever they want to do with their lives. You know, too, as an entrepreneur, like, you're never not working. Like, every evening, every weekend, even if you're not, like, sat at a desk, if you're talking to people, you're having to sell the brand. You know, when you're um, you're thinking of ideas and you need to make sure you've written them down so you don't forget about them. You're, like, checking in to make sure that the event that was happening on the Saturday morning has gone well. Like, you know, like, it's constant um, and what you get back from it is amazing, but it, it's tough. Um, but um, in terms of like the kind of, I guess, more like the social media angle, I mean, I don't really have a social media following or anything because I think I've always, for me, it's about frame and that brand. And I feel like I can have a bigger impact on the world by getting the frame message out there. And, and that, that's a much better channel. I mean, I don't think I'm that interesting and no one probably wants to know what I'm doing. But um, I've also not very good at, like, uh, taking the time to, like, get the shot. Or I'm a bit, you know, I'm, like, so busy with everything else that, like, that stresses me out and gives me sort of slight anxiety of trying to, like, project myself. Yeah, we're not going to see you posing. We're not going to see you on like a flower bench in Covent Garden with your leg up. You're not. You're not. Which I'm devastated <laughs> about. I would love that content. I would really. Babe, love I'm going to go and get you that content next week, just just to make you happy. I'm thrilled. Um, I'm thrilled. I but, will be the first to comment. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, but then I think I I do get that anxiety from watching other people that do seem to be projecting their lives as as glamorous and perfect and. You know, I think the older you get, the less that you care. Um, and, I, and also, the more aware that we are that that isn't real life. Yeah, for me, I've found a much better relationship with it now. You know, someone who's very much like not an influencer, very much running a business. And my job is to help other people achieve brand fame. So I'm actually very comfortable sort of not stepping into that and, and feel like I really enjoy my own space and time and boundaries but I'm very aware of it as a marketing platform and I'm very conscious that it can be incredibly elevating and powerful and useful but I also see it as a platform in which it's just imaginary people so for me if I'm not enjoying myself offline and I'm sort of going down the rabbit hole of assuming everyone is having a much better time that's the bit where I have to reset because it is imaginary yeah um what is the best piece of advice that you've been given about building a business Ooh. so there was one early on um which I think is quite related to a bricks and mortar business but but Joan's dad Jim he was like cash is king if you can't haven't got it you can't spend it and I think that sort of helped us get through those early sort of you know, three, four years, 
in a very organic, stable way, um, which I think actually, in hindsight, was a great way to, to grow the business because we both come into it never having run a business before, like not really having any experience in anything. Um, so it meant that we, you know, we learned as we grew and we were very careful with the pennies. Um, and when we did spend them, like we made sure that they, that was an efficient use of that, that spend. Um, so that was really, really helpful um, in terms of that growth. And I think even, you know, to today, like we're very, you know, if we're going to spend something on a marketing campaign or um, an agency or whatever that is, it's not just willy-nilly like chuck the cash at it. It's like, is that going to have a return on investment and is it worth spending that money? And then I think the other piece of advice is just about, you know, believing in what you do. So if you're passionate and you believe that it's going to work, then ultimately like put the time in and you'll make it work. And I think that's just super, super important. And that's definitely why we're still here is because we are, you know, we genuinely believe in our brand mission. It's so authentic and genuine and we believe in it and we're going to make that happen. So being quite, I guess, single minded with your where, where you're trying to get to, no matter where the journey takes you on the way there. Because I think that's one thing that we, we know where we want to get. And generally, you've got a strategy of this is it. But you've got to be adaptable and be happy that it's not going to go perfectly to plan and you're going to go off piste. But ultimately, if you've got the vision and you know where you're going, then when you do go off piste, it's easier to sort of turn it back around and kind of get back on the journey to where you're trying to get to at the end. Maybe harder in the last 18 months, but do you take time to enjoy achievements in the business? Are you guys good at congratulating each other or is it just a relentless pursuit for the next thing? I'd say, sadly, we're probably a bit of a relentless pursuit for the next thing. Um, the years pre-COVID, Joan and I both had little children. Um, so trying to run a business with kids, like often like you do something amazing in a day or sign a new site or something, and then you'd be like, right, got to get back for nursery pickup. And, and then you are sort of like just rushing off to do that thing. You know, like the name of this podcast, Busyness, like feel like we're both very busy people <laughs> I'm ready to be less busy let's put it that way um but yeah we don't we you know one thing in hindsight that I wish we'd been better at is is celebrating those successes over the years and and you know to your point earlier about being um you know happy with ourselves and not always looking what other people are doing um but just genuinely enjoying the moments where things are going well because it's not all the time um I wish I'd be better at that. And that's definitely something that moving forwards, I'm going to, yeah, make more time for, you know, it's really, I think we're really good at, I hope, uh, making sure that the team know that they've done a great job. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of ourselves, we probably ought to be better at, at kind of doing that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's interesting you say you kind of those moments are almost taken away because there's another thing. And I guess probably a contemporary example, and I wouldn't usually use a football analogy, but I do always think about it like being a goalkeeper. It's like if you save an amazing goal, that's your job. So people are like, okay, cool, let's reset. And if you let it in, everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You've lost the game. And you're like, wait, wait, how do I win? Because I feel like this is kind of stacked against me. Do you know what? It, that makes so much sense. It's an interesting you know, um, when I spoke to Lucas at Lick, he was saying that his sort of experience of running a business in the last year has been, it's literally just like problem solving and firefighting. Yeah. And that's the thing is when something good goes well, or, you know, you retain a 
contract or you sign a whatever the things are it's sort of like that's in the plan <laughs> so you just carry on and you're just like okay so it's great that you guys just had like your best month ever but also like you know three of our new team members are pregnant so we've got to go and just like figure that out and it's yeah. this constant like you know there's always something and you can't ever relax and I think that it's you know, I quite enjoy the idea of the rug being pulled from under my feet because I am very competitive. And therefore for me, I'm like, yeah, go on, make it harder. Go on, have a go. Um, but, but actually it's quite exhausting after a while. It's quite an exhausting thing. And I do agree with you. The advice that I would give as well is like figure out a way to ring fence some time to go. That was a good day because you know, they're often fewer, I think in terms of the, the whole picture. And, and you're so right. Like this half, this last year, like it has been relentless like it and then and then like you know you think things are starting to go well and then Boris comes out with a new announcement and everything is like changes again um but you know we I'm so proud of the team that we've had that's been working throughout the year and you know to, to your point like we we managed to launch from scratch a digital platform get like over sort of 8,000 people paying on a monthly basis to do it, like bought in over a hundred K of revenue in January, just on this new platform that we'd spent, yeah. I think maybe in total, like 10 grand on marketing spend at that point. Mm-hmm. And then like, but now it's like, it's not good enough. And you're like, hold on. Like, that's amazing. But you know, because everyone wants more and more and more, it's like, why isn't it Peloton? And you're like, yeah. Oh, cause they've got, 20 billion pounds of like budget to spend on yeah product. yeah a day yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what though it's funny because the the idea of like goal setting I find really fascinating I found it when I read Atomic Habits by James Clear this idea that like often we're, we're, we're firstly very goal oriented as a society as a people that's kind of how we've been geared up to to move through our lives is you know you get your A-levels to go to you know there's these sort of markers um and I think that often the failing of a goal is not necessarily how hard it is it's the processes so he talks specifically about if your goal is to lose 10 kilos you know you might do it and I might not but it's not necessarily that the goal was too hard it's that I didn't go to the gym so I wasn't gonna or I didn't follow the meal plan or whatever it is and I think that we're like I'm terrible at goal setting because we set a goal for the first half of the year and we achieved it in Q1 and so it's like okay so let's double it and it's like no that's not how the goal works because you just you hit the goal and it's like no so now we'll move the goal and my team is like hi sorry you're a psychopath and you don't understand how this works but it is you're kind of always edging forward you're like okay well why would we now like sit in that and all like self-congratulate why wouldn't we just decide that actually we under egg like under egged it and we could probably do more and so I think it's really hard to to, you know obviously you need you need goals and milestones and that's really important and often they're sort of revenue oriented or team or etc but it's very difficult to then accept that that is um where you're going to sit and stay because you're you're sort of told that there's like this movement that needs to happen forwards all the time um and you're, you know, okay, cool, that's done, and then move on. Yeah. We obviously mentioned the name of the podcast, the Busyness Podcast. Um, you know, busyness is a bit of a standard now of success, and people like to be doing lots of different things. Um, if you had an extra hour in the day, what would what would you use it for? This is probably really lame, but I'd I'd have a nap. I feel like I really deserve You'd one. You'd be surprised <laughs> how many people say that. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I've been busy for a long time, Emily, and I'd quite like to be less busy. And I feel like I've got, um, I've got, I've got a few hours of sleep that I need to catch up on. So I definitely have a nap. And then once I'm done with napping, I think like, um, I'd go into my garden. I've really become over lockdown quite, um, quite obsessed with, with the garden. So it's quite in the, in the same way that the exercise can have that really positive impact on your mental health. Weirdly, weirdly weeding can as well. Being around nature. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I definitely, yeah, spend more time in my garden. Uh, but yeah, napping for sure. And, and trying to be less busy would be, I think, you know, something that I'm in the market for right now. And, and again, like, you know, having a business and two kids, um, you know, under six is something that, you know, adds to that busyness slightly and, and moving to a farm in Somerset, which, you know, requires pigs feeding and chickens feeding. And actually that reminds me, I have to do that this afternoon. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe you could use the extra hour to just like plan how to do less things in the day. Yeah. That was a good nice idea. use of time. Definitely to be more efficient in terms of, you know, obviously the last year has, hit the sector in which you work pretty hard what is next for frame what can we expect to see in the next you know the rest of this year the next sort of 12 months well I think one thing that we've learned through lockdown and the great thing with like launching the online channel is that there is a huge market for what frame does outside of the specific areas around where our physical studios are so frame online is 100% here to stay and for that we're, we're using you know we're looking to grow that significantly sort of around the UK also internationally um, so that's super exciting and then that will be sort of again complemented with with new studios so for us the next the next 12 months is about getting frame outside of London um, so we've got a few sites that are lined up so yeah growth um, trying to think about you know moving forwards and not sort of dwelling too much in what sort of you know the past year has given or sort of current situation where you know London's still not quite back to it's wonderful south but um hopefully that will be a couple of months and we'll get back to some normality but you know it's it's really clear that you know a lot of stuff has been focused on london from a, a sort of a boutique fitness perspective and you know we really truly believe that because of our our sort of accessible price point and that the kind of message that we have in terms of just getting people moving and you know people all over the country should also be you know sort of able to access that so we're trying to you know move outside of London get more sites but also kind of grow the online as well so yeah big plans so I guess we'll be busy for a little while longer very exciting plans I have absolutely no doubt that they will uh, all manifest and come to fruition and, and people across the UK will be able to enjoy enjoy frame Pitt thank you for taking the time to chat to me today I know you're busy I know you've got children and farm animals and I wouldn't know how different the requirements are between the two but I assume you'll be running around after both um and obviously you're running a, a hugely exciting business lots of lots of people including myself are fans and customers of the brand and I'm sure will continue to be um as you guys grow so thank you for taking the time to talk to me I really appreciate it thank you lovely to chat Emily